Hello and welcome to the Lunchbox podcast this Wednesday lunchtime, or I suppose, you know, this being a, a downloadable or streamable format whenever you happen to be. Hi. Today, joining me is a good friend of mine and somebody who has made a lot of podcasts in his time. He's a big film aficionado. It is uh, Kev Moore. Hello. I should also add, he wrote the theme to this little <laughs> thing. <laughs> Shorter than I expected. Let's try this one. So, uh, thanks for that. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Kev, you have been the host of the Laps Gamer radio podcast. Yeah, we're in there at the beginning, yeah. Uh, then moved on to FilmGuff. Yep, definitely a creator of that one. And a contributor to the Talking Pictures TV podcast. Yep. So film is a thing, really, isn't it? <laughs> it definitely looks like it's got a through line. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me about the FilmGuff podcast then. That's that's the thing you're you're probably best known for at the moment. Well, FilmGuff is basically a podcast a about film by two idiots that don't really read up on things, you know, we're, we're very un literate and um, to join us, we decided to get somebody that was equally like-minded from the US of all places, and he's equally a lover of films and equally not a man of letters. So <laughs> it's me, Ali <laughs> and Nick... <laughs> And three boobs that tend to just get drunk and talk about whatever rubbish films we like. Okay, uh, so the premise behind today's podcast is nice and simple. Uh, all you need to do is I'm going to give you a choice of 64 random questions. Okay. You can answer eight of them. Right. So I'm going to ask you for a number between one and 64. Okay, um, 12. Have you ever been on television or radio? I don't think so. Possibly. I know I've been... Actually, I've been on radio. I forgot. I used to have my own radio show. Me and my mate. Just casually forgot that I used to actually be on the radio, was that? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I've drunk a lot since then. It was the late 90s and it was... Oh, God, I'm trying to think. Now, it was when Depeche Mode Ultra came out, so that really nails it. I think it was 95 or 96, so it's even earlier than I think. Um, but anyway, when that came out, the only reason that I actually remember that is because we got an early copy of that and we absolutely caned that album. We played it as much as we could on the show. And yeah, it was a really weird show where it was um, Doncaster were trying to set up its own uh, local radio station and uh, to get all the bids in, they have to set up three or four different radio stations and each one has to work at getting the bid. Needless to say, we didn't get it because just got two idiots playing Depeche Mode all the time. Yeah, that was good fun. Uh, it was terrifying because it was so amateur. If um, the DJ before decided he was going to just walk out, you'd have to just then take in the hot seat straight away. And then you had to hope that the hosts that were coming in afterwards would turn up, which often didn't happen because they were drunk. Because it was Sunday evening, our slot started at 8 o'clock and went through to 10. But by then, you'd got some, what shall I say, some clubbers. I'll call them clubbers. They used to come in and do some uh, banging tunes. And um, they would invariably not turn up. So me and Andy would carry on till about 1 o'clock. Which was fun. I used to work in student radio when uh, I was at <laughs> university. 
and it was all fun and games. And I know what you mean about people not showing up because they've been drunk or people yep. showing up horrendously drunk because they've been in the bar. Yes. Um, <laughs> what with the bar being literally one floor below the studio. That was always a problem. Uh, and mm. it was all fun and games until one Sunday afternoon when I had to come in and actually physically switch off the transmitter because somebody was announcing that the Queen had died. <laughs> oh, God. And now here's the Smiths. <laughs> Okay, that's that's a good answer. So, what was it? What was it called? The radio station. I'm trying to think now. Uh, no, absolutely can't remember. Um, oh, I think it was called Danum Danum Radio. Okay, give me another number. Thirteen. I'm sticking to this kind of zone. I think. <laughs> Have you ever been on a boat? Uh, yes, the Norfolk Broads and others. Well, was it? I assume it was a long boat. Was it a narrow boat? Sorry, not, not, there's going to be boat aficionados going. That's not a long boat. A long boat is a Viking warship. Uh, a narrow. It boat. was. It was a. It was a pleasure cruiser Ooh, very in nice. um, Alan Partridge kind of style. You know, <laughs> someone dropped a cow on you. <laughs> it often happens. <laughs> yeah, pleasure cruiser around the Norfolk Broads, and I believe I went on a cruiser around. Spain somewhere. Uh, no, Turkey. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> it was somewhere warm. <laughs> Which was the more pleasurable experience? Uh, the the cruise around Turkey or pleasure boat on the Norfolk Broads? Uh, the pleasure cruise on the Norfolk Broads because it's obviously less forgettable. Okay, then. Give me another number. I have a prediction. 26. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, totally, you totally scuppered the system. Yeah, 26. Everybody's out safe. But what is the one item you would save from your burning house? Presuming I've not got my phone in my pocket. You can, I'll let you have your phone in your pocket. That's okay. Great. Uh, okay, then. Hmm. It's probably going to be my Oberheim DX drum machine from 1983. It was the one of the first um, MIDI drum machines. And it's quite a special one. Um, it's actually got wooden ends. You actually lift the lid to take out the chips and uh, replace them so that you get different sounds. And it was used by the Cocteau Twins. Cocteau Twins have used it. Uh, Prince used it a lot during Purple Rain. And New Order used it. In fact, it's practically the sound of 1985 for some we reason. And it's a very fine machine, and it still works well today. Do you mean the Cocteau Twins, Prince and New Order use that model, or your actual machine? Oh, they use my actual machine, you know. So, it round. We'll give you a packet of crisps if you can borrow it for a while. <laughs> I'd love if the purple rain that Prince is referring to was actually like your bottle of port. <laughs> See, that's it. It's all coming together now. I mean, Prince, I just used to call him Keith at the time. <laughs> The artist formerly known as Keith Prince. <laughs> okay, oh, that sounds like a very special drum machine. It's a lovely piece of kit. So yes, I think actually the drum machine would come out before the rest of the family. <laughs> Priorities. Yeah, <laughs> always. Okay, uh, give me another number, please. 14. <laughs> Curse you. <laughs> if mythical creatures were real, what would you have as a pet? A griffin. I mean, can you imagine that? Getting a lift on a griffin to work. That'd be brilliant. And just think of, oh, mind you, 
think of the mess. I mean, you've, it's bad enough if you've got a dog. You've always got dog hairs. You'd, with your griffin, you'd have hairs and feathers all over the place. It'd be a nightmare. Oh, right. I've really not thought this through, you know. This is terrible. Now I want to change it. I'll have a Medusa instead. Mind you, Medusas are no good to take you to work either. In fact, a Medusa is worse than a cat. Because can you imagine that? Every time you disagree with a Medusa, it's just it's going to be... <laughs> at you with lots more fangs. Ooh. Also, the the turning to stone thing. Oh, I know. Yeah, can you imagine that? You know, it's uh, terrible at a barbecue. The cleanup would be awful. You can't have a pet you can't look at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's like having a cat. <laughs> if you're going to have a pet you can't look at, you might as well have Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> I think I've already got Schrodinger's cat because my cats seem to make themselves scarce more times than I actually see them. Which is not a bad thing. Ugh, cats. <laughs> then you keep them in a box. <laughs> <laughs> or do I keep them in a box? No, okay, then I'll I'll go with Griffin. Okay. I can't help but think you may have overthought that. <laughs> so I think it's fair to say that the Film Guff podcast has evolved over time. Yep, I suppose so. <laughs> um, don't know, don't know <laughs> if that's a good thing or not. <laughs> no, I think it's a good thing. Talk, talk me through that process because I think the the first the first kind of six or seven episodes, I think you guys were were finding your feet in the format and and how you wanted to, uh, I guess what you wanted to cover and, and what you wanted to get across hmm. before settling on on the kind of one movie or one series per episode. Yeah, I think it was basically necessity because the early episodes it was like, yeah, let's cover three films and maybe have a loose theme to it. And then we realised the trickiness then was actually watching three films because neither of us have got that much time. And to watch three movies about three or four times each, it's um, pretty much a tall order, you know, especially if you've got a film that's two and a half hours or something like that. So we decided to go down to the one movie route and kind of go through it beat by beat as much as possible sometimes it just doesn't work you know sometimes you we just end up falling all over the place but we do seem to like to go beat by beat more because then we've got a better chance of remembering it ourselves but uh yeah they, that seems to be the way that seems to work for us anyway so we're just very lazy we don't watch that many films you say you're lazy with it, but I mean, to to actually the preparation it takes to to break down a film beat by beat is quite impressive. It does take some doing because we tend to one of us will decide who is going to do the notes, and then they'll they'll just go off and do the notes. But it basically entails somebody sitting down and trying to take notes during the film, which you'll have had to see two or three times, so at least you know what's coming next. Then, of course. If you get something that you're really into, like, um, what was it we were doing? Oh, um, we did Dread not long back. And um, that was hilarious because we tended to drift off and get stuck into the film and then realise that none of us had been taking notes and we'd just go, um, <laughs> where are we now? Sometimes it's easier than others. <laughs> You know, if you are breaking these films down beat by beat, is that accessible for people who haven't seen the film? It's accessible to a point, I suppose, but I suppose it could be spoilerific, but we tend to 
pick low rent films, you know, low rent meaning films that would be in the budget part of a video shop if the video shop still existed. You know, these films have been around for a long time, usually. Nick and Ali do tend to like to talk about whatever's come out of the cinema because they do see a lot of films um, straight away at the cinema. I tend to wait until it's out on Blu-ray, which can, and some of my uh, Blu-rays, it can be a case of about 80 years. You have a long form format where you break down a story beat by beat. And then yep. recently, in, in kind of the complete antithesis of that, you've started making film guff shorts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the film guff shorts came about out of a conversation I was having on Twitter and I realised that nobody had actually done this. You know, everybody's always really geared up to waffle about films and what have you for way too long. And some of the podcasts I've listened to, they go into it at ridiculous depth and you think, yeah, I really don't want to see this film now because I've heard you talking about it for three hours, you know, and I'm done with it. Um, So kind of going in the opposite direction, we've tried to do the shorts where it's basically talking about a film for less than three minutes which seems to be quite fun and it's really taken up as well which was quite a surprise well and I, I can imagine it's short it's easy for people to get into listen to even when they haven't got the time or the stamina for an hour or more worth of yeah. podcast yeah problem is i to limit the theme tune as well because otherwise <laughs> the theme tune takes up more time than the podcast <laughs> first world problems <laughs> okay uh speaking of which give me another number <laughs> 11 11 you, re- you really are sticking in that ballpark aren't you <laughs> i'm comfortable how does the internet work horse you can't plead the horse oh okay um isn't it in a box <laughs> and you with just like a little button that says on and off I'm sure that's how it works. So we're we're going with the IT crowd iteration. <laughs> yes, that's definitely a thing. It's a factual documentary. And you and you're sticking with that that the internet is just a box with an on and off switch. Well, that's what it is in my house. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, in that case, give me another number. Forty-two. Did you like school? I think I did. I don't think school liked me though. Why was that? Uh, I don't know. Nervous breakdowns, re- resignations, the usual. Of whom? <laughs> of the teaching staff. <laughs> of the entire faculty. Yes. <laughs> um, it's it's an odd one because I was going through my CV and every company I've worked for, apart from the company I'm working for now, has gone under. Yeah, all dissolved, and every school I've been to has burnt down. Now, this is by <laughs> no means <laughs> a, a confession. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it looks like there's some kind of pattern emerging. Okay, give me another number, please. Uh, seven. What's the best concert you've ever attended? Oh, that's easy. It was Kraftwerk at Sheffield City Hall in the early 90s i think it was about 92 93 wow what an amazing concert the band themselves take out the studio and going back to then it was 
quite something to see because they've got technology that I still to this day have no idea how they were working it. They would just take it all out, including the robots, and just have fun with it. And you could see that they were actually uh, basically freewheeling, you know, that they were playing it and they were having fun with it. And I still remember um, they played Pocket Calculator. Each one of the members came out with like a, a kind of a, looks like a pocket calculator, I suppose, but it was uh, a pad with buttons on and each button would trigger a different pattern or a phrase. And to show how free jazz they were doing it, they would pass over the pads, they would just hold them out and let the audience actually trigger the next phrase or whatever, you know, and and they were actually playing about with it and involving the audience. And to this day, I still don't know how they were doing it back then. The, the technology exists now, but it certainly didn't exist then. They were just way ahead of the curve. And, um, yeah, spectacular to see and fantastic to hear because the sound system was ridiculous. Yep, yeah, best concert I've ever been to. When did your passion for synthesizers and drum machines and, and the technology <laughs> behind music start? Was this the catalyst or...? Uh, not at all. Uh, it's bizarre because it was possibly the late seventies. Um, it was possibly the site of Tube Army on top of the pops. Gary Newman just terrified everybody. Uh, I remember seeing it the first time, and it, it still sticks in my memory today. And I've actually seen footage since, and I thought, "Yep, that's exactly how I remembered it." They did Our Friends Electric, and Top of the Pops being very on top of the pops actually took all the colour out of the lights. It was no flashing lights and disco balls or anything like that. It was just cold white light. And uh, it was such a striking appearance, you know, And but then it got these massive sounding synths. And I thought, what the hell is that? I'd never heard anything like that at the time. You know, it was just, wow, that was like a shock of lightning. And um, that's what turned me on to synths. And it's never really gone away and now i've got 38 of the buggers i think and um <laughs> i don't even think about drum machines <laughs> just too many the, the, the problem is with drum machines they're small and you can quite happily end up with quite a collection in a small cupboard you know i'm the same with mixing desks <laughs> yeah mixing desks tend to be a little bit larger all right, okay. I mean, ah, oh, the, the obsession is real, isn't it? It definitely is, and it's still alive. <laughs> I don't think it's ever going to go away now. Can you put a dollar value on it? I mean, probably not because we're British, so can you, can you, put, a, oh. you put a pound value on it? <laughs> well, there are some quite rare pieces there I've got, um, but I don't know. It would... In today's market, probably worth nothing because obviously everybody just goes, well, I can just do that on an Apple Mac now. You know, I've got plugins. But there's something to be said for actually having the machine there in front of you. It's a bit like the war between vinyl and the MP3, if you like. You know, it's everybody that's got a record knows why they've got a record because you can actually look at the artwork, you know, and it's a tactile thing. But I think with the synth, it's not. It's more than just a tactile thing. There are things there that are very intuitive, and on a computer, it just takes it away. So you make a lot of music now, and a lot of it you make for fun. 
Yeah. How much of that is done with the real <laughs> deal and how much of it is done with plugins? I would say it's a 50-50 split. There are some times where I'll, I'll just be messing about with the keyboards, you know, and then um, come up with an idea and possibly end up replacing that. Or like there's a, a piece that I did not long back where the only reason I ended up having to replace it with a plugin was because I could not get the synth to talk to anything. It was just so, it is just such an old piece. Um, it's an old Oberheim synth from Italy. And uh, sometimes it just doesn't want to play ball with anybody else. And uh, I kind of like it because it does that, you know, but sometimes when you are trying to wrestle it into sync, forget it. You, so you have to go over and try and approximate the performance. But nah, there's a reason why I still go over to that. Okay. Oh, it's your final question. Hey, nine, number nine, number nine, number nine. Number nine. <laughs> Under what circumstances is pineapple on a pizza acceptable? Every occasion. Anybody that's against pineapple on pizza is a racist. Uh, well, I suppose that makes me a racist. What is wrong with you? Pineapple on pizza is everything. It's all the major food groups on one meal. Amazing. Okay, um, pineapple on a pizza, you animal. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, let's face it, it's the only time I'm going to be able to eat fruit. It's <laughs> part of a balanced diet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to have it with dough and cheese. <laughs> Masses of it. <laughs> the only other time I get fruit is when it's in a bottle, so I've got to get it from somewhere. See, this is why I never cook. No, well, you, you make a good point. Um, <laughs> okay, well, thank you for answering the questions. Uh, talk to me You're briefly welcome. about your uh, your collaboration with Talking Pictures TV, then. Ah, well, Talking Pictures TV, that's come about because of a friendship I've got with Adam and have had for some years. He was setting up the Talking Pictures podcast, and um, he reached out to all his friends and fellow podcasters and said, would you like to collaborate? And I'm like, straight away, yes. Because I'm um, talking pictures TV, I watch an inordinate amount of. It's just classic TV and lots of 40s and 50s stuff that you just don't see anywhere else. So I just thought, great. And it's such a mad mixed bag of stuff that you just don't get on TV anywhere else. So I was definitely straight in and... I seem to end up picking all the odd horrors that nobody else even heard of <laughs> or can discuss. And it, again, it sort of works to the three-minute format. You've got to try and sell a film in less than three minutes. We try and keep it down and um, just basically let people know what's coming on. It's good fun. So uh, Talking Pictures TV is available on Freeview and Freesat and also Sky and Virgin Media. Yep. Uh, and where can people find the Film Guff podcast? Oh, that's easy. We're all over the place like a rash. <laughs> <laughs> a very bad one. It's on Stitcher. It's on iTunes. It's on uh, Spotify as well. It's on everything. Basically, just look for Film Guff. You can also tweet Kev, Ali and Nick at yep. Film Guff. Yep. Perfect. Well, thanks for coming on the Lunchbox podcast today. It's really, really appreciated. It's been great fun. 
it makes a change for somebody else to do the editing as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, actually, I'm just going to send the files over. Ah, oh, <laughs> curses. <laughs> Uh, and thanks very much for listening today. If you want to take part in the podcast or if you have any questions that you might like us to pose our guests, then you can tweet us at Lunchbox Podcast or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram using exactly the same details. We'll be back next Wednesday lunchtime. Until then, bye. Bye. 